Hello, and welcome to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast offering insights into topics that are important to the Hillbrook community and the broader worlds of education and parenting. I'm your host, Head of School Mark Silver, and I invite you to join us for what we hope are lively conversations about a whole range of ideas and issues that connect with our vision to inspire children to achieve their dreams and reach beyond themselves to make a difference in the world. Today, I am joined by longtime Hillbrook parent, chair of the board, and founder and owner of Pizza My Heart, Chuck Hammers. Chuck and his wife, Mary, have been a part of Hillbrook since the early 2000s, when their oldest, Cole, joined in junior kindergarten. Since then, all four of his children, Cole, Luke, Grace, and Jude, have traveled through their own unique 10-year Hillbrook journey. That's 40 years of Hillbrook education. The youngest, Jude, graduates this year with the class of 2020. 11 years ago, Chuck joined the Board of Trustees and seven years ago became the chair. It's safe to say that he has seen a lot during that time, helping the school with a number of important initiatives, including two really big projects, the modification of the CUP and the Campus Master Plan, which led to a number of other campus projects, including the science classrooms, playground, the amphitheater, and the hub, which will be opening for the 2020-2021 school year. So Chuck, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to join me amidst this crazy moment. It certainly is. <laughs> I wanted to start by asking you to just kind of reflect a little bit on your time on the board. You know, I, I've always had this deep belief that in anything that affects your life, you should give back to that organization or person or whatever that is. And Hillbrook has been so important to our family and it's, it has been our community for the past 17 years. It, um, it's why I wanted to become a board member and why I chose to also become chair seven years ago. Um, being on the board is, I start off as I, I thought it was going to be much more like being CEO of my company. Yeah. You know, I'm the decision maker. And um, one of the things you quickly learn is that you're in a room of 17 other people that are really good at decisions also. And um, our, you find out it's not really our role, but um, we have a different role. And what I love about the role is that we don't get into the weeds. What I do with Pizza My Heart is um, set strategy and and really get into the weeds of what's going on in the restaurants and what fires need to be put out and whatever is happening. And the, the beauty of being on the board is it's none of that. And it's more like flying at 10,000 feet and saying, what's going to be great for this company, this school, where's the school going to be in five years and 10 years. And it's, it's helping the head of school and his administration really set strategies and, and really help the school thrive. And um, for me, that's all the fun part of kind of helping run a company without having the nasty little part of, you know, figuring out why the cheese didn't come in the door that day. It's funny you mentioned cheese because I, I know I've seen the board in your office where you have like the various prices you know, to the cent of, of, of different p products that you're purchasing and all the, and all the margins. So has, has it been challenging for you to not 
go into those weeds or is that something that has come kind of naturally to you? Um, you know, it, it's where you start, I think, when you're on the board because you think that's your role. And um, I, I think I've gotten better and better at it. And then also the longer you're here, you kind of see that the weeds repeat sometimes. And, um, and you know, the school just keeps getting better. And it's, it's um, easier for me to, to fly at that 10,000 feet, like I, I said. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know one of the, certainly one of the things that you and I spent the most time working on dur during your time at Hillbrook was the effort to modify the CUP which seems like a long time ago, particularly amidst the COVID-19 crisis. But I wanted to start with that because that was a huge um, thing that you helped to spearhead along with others, um, both on the board and, and obviously in the administration and the community. But can you tell, me, tell a little bit about that experience and then any lessons that you learned from that and then that maybe have applicability to the, the broader work that you've done with the school. It, it was. It was an effort that, that really took four years and um, we going into it, we thought this would be a real game changer for the school, and I really believe it has been. But we went in really naively. We went in and thinking we could do this in a little less than a year, and and we'd have a few neighbor meetings, and we'd go down and go through a meeting with the town, and we'd come out with a new CUP, which is typically what happens when I go, you know, open a new restaurant or get an alcohol permit, but uh, you didn't realize how much people in a neighborhood, not just care, but um, really are afraid of change. And um, we underestimated that. And we underestimated some of the feelings in the neighborhood. Uh, I think we addressed them well, and we ended up in a good place for both the neighborhood and the school. Um, and like I said, I think it was a game changer for, for the way the school can operate from here on out. Yeah, really. I, I remember that those first meetings well, and to your point that we, you know, we all, I think had a sense that this would take six months to a year. And then I remember, you know, deep in the heart of it, three and a half years in or so. Um, and it is interesting to think about it today. And I think one thing you just noted, it really has, I think, in many ways, improved our relationship ultimately, I think, with our neighbors. I think there's a, there's a higher sense of trust. I know you were a really key piece to that um, in terms of your ability to, as a neighbor and as somebody who, who you know, lives in, in the community, to, to be able to bridge some of that. As you look at, you know, looking back on this four or five years later, um, you know, what do you think have been the greatest benefits, um, not just for the school, but for the community from the, res from the outcome of the CUP? Um, for the school, I mean, the, the, the great benefit has been uh, changing our enrollment. And, um, you know, obviously being able to expand the middle school was a big piece and offer so much more choice to our students. But also with enrollment of not being capped and being able to enroll people year round, I think has really been great often we would be capped at 315 and you'd have a great family show up and, and and you couldn't admit them 
and and that was rough. Um, but the community, you know, I think there were a few of the leaders that in the community that just didn't want change at all. But I think the rest, you know, got to learn what the traffic patterns were and they saw that traffic was bad. You know, we did used to line up 10 years ago and stretch out into the neighborhood and, and we got control of it. And they thought buses were going to be not great, but you know, the busing really changed everything. And, and I think the neighborhood also figured out that all this traffic wasn't just Hillbrook. It was, you know, the whole Bay Area is busy. And, and um, Los Gatos High and Fisher and all the public schools are bursting at the seams too. And it's just a busy time when kids go to school. Um, and in the end now, you know, Los Gatos is, looks at us as being the leader in, in this with safe routes. And, you know, they've taken up busing programs to try to lower it. So I love that when you can take a, a negative and you can help spin it and come out better on, a different, on another side. And I think that's what we did. I think you're right. I do. I remember the you know longtime teacher Lynn Easton, who's been retired now for a while, but longtime first grade teacher. I'll never forget the afternoon she looked at me and she said, "You've killed carpool." And because you know we'd gone from these like long lines that she remembered from ten years before to the the very small carpool that we have today. So so we definitely showed we showed an ability to adapt for sure. So you know fast forward four or five years, um, you know clearly now different moment, but another, you know, um, probably more so, more more challenging moment, um, you know, the, uh, probably the most challenging moment certainly that I've faced in the last 11 years, and I suspect that you've faced since you've been at the school. So thinking, um, you know, in your role, what have you been thinking about, and what do you see as the board's key functions during this moment? Well, you know, like I said earlier, the beauty of this is that I'm not in the weeds and, and you've got the tough job here. And um, I believe you guys have done beautifully on, on going to distance learning. Uh, I'm seeing it through my son's eyes, obviously, but um, that was an incredible change very quickly. And you guys got out in front of it and I applaud you for that. Um, Thanks. You know, I am the board. We, we're flying at a different level here. So we're, we're looking at what does this look like long-term? You know, do you guys get to go back in the fall? Um, do people want their family, are the families want to be here? Even if you have to continue distance learning and how will that affect enrollment and how does it affect long-term enrollment? Um, and uncertainty is not good for a school. So, um, you, you you know, there's a scenario where if distance learning goes on, people say, hey, why should I pay tuition for my kid doing distance learning? There's also the same scenario of, hey, they're doing distance learning really well, and I want my child to be at Hillbrook. So you could see enrollment go either way dramatically. Um, and then I think, boy, you – you know, you're sitting on 14 beautiful acres. If you're going to socially distance kids in small groups, if that becomes the future, we're so much better situated than so many other schools. And, and you know, we could have 
an enrollment problem where we're, you know, too many kids. So um, part of what the board can do here is really help strategically think with you and, and with your administration of what do these things look like so that then you can take it down and say, you know, how do we deal with this if we've got more kids? How do we deal with this if we have less kids? What are, um, what's it look like if existing families can't pay next year because they've been hurt by um, economic changes in their their lives? So, um, you know, it's our board to look at, it's, it's our role as a board to look at the finances and say, um, let's make sure there's more money there for flexible tuition. Yeah, that, and, I was, was going to say yeah. that was one of the things I think the board, I mean, I want to thank you, I mean, you and, and all the board has been incredibly responsive to the community needs. And I think, you know, giving myself and, you know, CFO Margaret Randazzo and, and other senior leaders the space to, to utilize funds to support families. And, and I mean, the board from day one in this moment has been encouraging that and prioritizing that. Um, and that, that I think has, has been a, that's probably not something that families necessarily know, but like, you know, behind the scenes, like the support of the board and recognizing that as a critical need of the school. And I think also a long-term strategic, right? It, it is something that it is a differentiator for our school. It's what, the, our community is what makes this place such, a, such an amazing um, experience for children and families. And so knowing the importance of that, the board, I think, has really led in that space and saying, Let, let's make that happen. And then you, you've also been great in terms of trying to help us think about how to do that. I wanted to ask a related question about, you know, because you're also part, there's a handful of board members, but there's also a number of other community members who are also part of this reopening campus task force. Um, and I'm curious, you know, it, it's that's not a board committee. It, it, it's a it's a kind of a non-board committee, although it does include a few board members. You know, what, what have you seen as the role for that group? And then I'm going to ask you the other question I ask. I know you're on an outside group uh, for the city of San Jose, which is which is a, um, a, a bigger task force. Um, and I'm curious, like what you've learned from that group and then how that might also uh, inform some of the work that we're doing at Hillbrook as we think about how to reopen in the fall. So, you know, I believe that the important thing when you, when you have an unusual situation like this, is reaching out and getting as much information and diverse information as you can. So um, I think it was really smart of you to, to set up this a reopening task force to talk to different parents, to parents that are coming from different type jobs, um, different type communities, and understanding how this is affecting them and how they see um, their children coming back to the school and in, in what form and what, what worries them and what excites them and, and how they can thrive in what may be a very different learning situation. Um, and we have such a beautiful, diverse community that, um, I think it's just great that we're able to tap into them and and really run things past them and and learn from them. Yeah, it's been a nice. It's a, one of the things I like about the group is it's actually a lot of people who are somewhat newer to the school too, and a lot of people who haven't necessarily been um, part of other task force. And so it's been a whole new set of families and and uh, perspectives. Um, so tell me more about the City of San Jose task force. Is it does it feel similar at all, or is it is it 
kind of two totally different conversations. No, it, it, it is somewhat similar there. Um, it's interesting because uh, we have two members on both task force. Uh, um, parent Doug Merritt is also on the. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't know, oh, that's great. I didn't know Doug was on that too. That's great. Yeah. Um, so it's 59 of us from different, uh, almost all CEOs, either of uh, colleges or companies in the Bay Area. And um, it, it's really tasked with, you know, how do we, the nuts and bolts of how do we, we uh, reopen, um, looking at who's getting left behind in any recovery, which I think is such an important piece. And it's, you know, just like you are with, with, uh, flexible tuition. Uh, and then one of the cool things is they are looking at it from how does Silicon Valley take this and learn from it and um, innovate? You know, I, I'm always a big believer that with every, um, anytime something happens to you, there's always an opportunity coming out of it and to better yourself. And, and I love that the committee's looking at, at this is, is how do we get better? So it's it's fun to be on both committees and and uh, um, that's you know, a, I I always do that's a great perspective to have. I know, um, you know, and we have spent quite a bit of time as a certainly as a senior leadership team, and then increasingly bringing other people into that conversation. I think asking the same question on an educational standpoint. I mean, it is an interesting moment. I mean, clearly we deeply value in-person learning and um, we deeply miss the connections between children and teachers. And it's been a great moment to, I think, get a better sense of why that's valuable and what are the things that are you can't do well when you're not in person. On the other hand, it, it has also opened up I think some our eyes a little bit into like, and so what are those things that maybe you can do well when you're not in person? And I, I certainly, as you described, I think with the city, I think there is an opportunity here to, as we as a school and always thinking about how do we reimagine education, like there's an opportunity to learn from this. And, and, and clearly as a school, we deeply value relationships and in-person learning, and that's going to be a core of who we always are. And at the same time, I think there's some interesting things that, have, that are likely to come out of this. Um, and so uh, I, I suspect that that task force might at least... Uh, help push us a little bit in that direction as well. So I, I, as a parent of an eighth grader, you know, your, your last one, Jude, soon to graduate, um, you've been living firsthand the, the experience of, of having an eighth grader and, and the disappointment of being an eighth grader going through this moment right now. How has that been at home and, and how have you and Mary and, and Jude kind of come to terms with that? Um. You know, it's it, it's been odd because we now have both our college boys home too, um, studying. So all four are studying at home uh, separately and on different schedules. And um, my work is kicked up, so it's it's there have been moments where it seems like we see each other less than than we were before. But um, one of the reflections for me has been Jude's class was the first class to grow. And we were introduced to like a dozen new families when they came in. And I so remember all through the journey with these families talking about wait till eighth grade. It's the most fun year and it just keeps ramping into more and more 
great experiences for you and your students. And, you know, from the um, musical to uh, if they go on the China trip to the DC and um, graduation and all of that is just such a wonderful experience with Hillbrook. <laughs> and I feel so bad for this class as everyone else does. But um, I'll tell you, I, I watch him and these kids are really resilient. And I think it's, it's really a tribute to um, what Hillbrook sets them up for. They, they all appear really ready for school, for high school, whatever that's going to look like. But, I mean, he's taken it really well in stride. And even though he's watched all three of his siblings go through all the fun things, um, he looks at it, too, as it's, it's just different. It's going to be different for him. And, and that's okay. I've been really proud of them. In, in terms of, the, as you said, their resilience, and then also as we're starting to, you know, have a chance to watch their reflection speeches on virtual flag on Mondays, um, it's been really great to see the the optimism that they all still have, and you know, kind of that that sense of of joy, and, and that you know that it's been hard, and yet, um, you know, they they all still re clearly recognize how much gratitude they have for each other, for the community, and for the school. Any, any final reflections? I mean, I can't believe for you after 17 years or 40 years of, of, of Hillbrook education that this is your, your within, within your last three weeks. And, and any final reflections? Um, yeah, you, you know, Mary would love to have another one come through, but I just don't <laughs> think I can for it. <laughs> maybe you'll um, adopt at some point down the road. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think back to um, when I was finishing up my second term as board chair and Jude was bugging me like every other day, well, is there going to be a vote? When, what's it gonna, when are you going to, are you going to become board chair again or what's going to happen? I couldn't figure out what he was, why that was so important to him. And then I realized he, he was so excited for me to hand him his diploma. Yeah. And um, because I was able to do that for both Grace and Luke. And, uh, and as you know, you know, I've watched you and, uh, you know, give the big hug yeah. to William Jackson. And it's a moment up there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm too sad for that. And, but I'm so excited for, for them to move on and, and, well, and, and, I, and I think we're going to find some. We're going to find some way to make sure you can still hand them that diploma. <laughs> Great, because you, because you, you guys are a family unit, so there, there's no social distancing required. Yeah, I'll get away with it. Won't I? Yeah. Hey, thank, thank you so much, Chuck. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me, and um, thanks for everything that you do for the school and that you have done. And, and just to be clear for for people listening, even though his youngest is graduating, Chuck will still be on the board at least for the next couple of years. He's and will remain as board chair. So thank you, Chuck. You, 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 the service you have given to the school is just um, it, it has been so incredible, and 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 credit, and particularly very very grateful for everything you do. Thanks, I've enjoyed every minute of it. You have been listening to Remarks and Reflections, a podcast of Hillbrook School. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can also find the Remarks and Reflections blog post at hillbrook.us. 
another space where we are looking to connect with and engage members of our community in conversations important to our school, education, and parenting. And as always, you can find our school on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, our website at hillbrook.org. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and be your best.